blessed Sunday to all of you, dear friends. You are tuned in to OLMC Sunday Best. This is a sharing of the Bible study group from the parish of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, Wan Chai, Hong Kong. Join us now in reflecting on this Sunday's liturgy for our life's nourishment. Good day, brothers and sisters. This Sunday, we are celebrating a beautiful feast. It's the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, which is our church, the patroness and also our church. Uh, let's greet our Lord and Our Lady with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. May the venerable intercession of the goodness which you may let me introduce the readings to you. It is different from the ordinary schedule. So the first reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. The second reading is a letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. And the gospel is the beautiful gospel of the wedding feast in Cana. Uh, gospel according to John, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And if I may give a little background of this feast, you, you know... Uh, the feast says Our Lady of Mount Carmel. So where is this Mount Carmel? Do you know where? In Israel, the Holy Land. Okay, Where the prophet Elijah, Elijah had this uh, confrontation with the prophets of Baal. No? So it's believed that the first hermits of Carmel were there in that place. This is around the late 12th century to early 13th century. And one of the hermits received the scapular no, from Our Lady. That's why they are they got connected. Okay, The scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel became associated to this feast. No? But the significance of the feast would be really the uh, devotion to Our Lady which uh, assures us of protection from harm and danger. And then later on in the development of the spirituality, also the, uh, you say, protection from the fires of hell, meaning to say, through the prayer to Mary, you know, through the intercession of Our Lady, we are freed and we are able to pass from death to life. Okay. So here, what is important is, as we said in the prayer, no, we may, so that fortified by her protection, we may reach the mountain, which is Christ. It's not so much Our Lady who we are trying to reach, but it is Christ. And Mary is always the way to Christ. So we will hear that in our readings today. Okay. And we'll start with the first reading. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. After Jesus had been taken up into heaven, the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. 
When the apostles entered the city, they went to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these devoted themselves with one accord to prayer, together with some women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Chapter 1 of the Acts of the Apostles. You remember this is the Acts of the Apostles is written by Saint Luke. Okay, it's the it's actually the second of the sequel. So the, the gospel according to Luke, the sequel to that is the Acts of the Apostles. So if you remember the end of the Acts of the Apostles, where was the recent Jesus? He was in Jerusalem. And he said, he told his apostles, stay here no? in Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is very different from Matthew, Mark. Because the reason Jesus in Matthew and Mark said, go to Galilee. You remember, back to Galilee. But this one is wait in Jerusalem. So here in the sequel, Acts of the Apostles, we are now into the mountain, uh, Mount called Olivet. There's, you know, I, I just think that they chose this reading not only because of the presence of Mary, but there's also the mountain. Mm-hmm. We're talking of Mount right. Carmel, so there are connections. When the liturgists chose the readings for a certain piece, they have their logic, they have their reasons. No? Anyway, uh, at the end of, or in, in this reading, you have how many apostles did you try to count? There's Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphys, Simon, the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. So, 11. Why 11? Because Judas Iscariot is not yet replaced. Okay? So, one yes. of the last line one says, and his brothers. Hmm. One of the brothers. Yes, the other disciples. Oh. It's because it's if that, you know, it's not just apostles, but there are other disciples, okay, who were present. Not just the 12, actually, here is 11. And then with some women, it's not just Mary, it's some women, the mother of Jesus. So in, in Luke, it's very open. It's very open. But this specific reading is actually uh, important because this sets the backdrop for the replacement of Judas in preparation for the reception of the Holy Spirit. Okay, because in chapter, uh, the, the next lines to this would be the lot, the choosing or the election of the one who replaced Judas Iscariot. And would you know who was that? Matthias. Yeah. Matthias was the other apostle who was chosen through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then the other important thing in this reading is the presence of Mary. All this devoted themselves with one accord to prayer together with some women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. I guess this is also because in the tradition of the devotion to Mount Carmel, we know Mary 
uh, as the model of contemplative life. Okay? Prayer, interior life, contemplative life. So this reading is also chosen you know, to present to us the image of Mary, the figure of Mary, as the one who leads us in prayer, who leads the disciples in prayer, and who leads the disciples in waiting for the Holy Spirit. Okay. Then we will read that again in the second reading. But uh, now we can go to the gospel so we can have more time to listen to this. Okay. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, although the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves good wine first. And then when people have drunk freely, an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs of Canaan and Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe the gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the first place, I'd like to ask, this image of the wedding at Cana is present here in our church. Yes. Where is it? <laughs> really, the mural on yes. the front, no? you cannot see it now because of the renovation. But anyway, so uh, the importance of this episode, okay, the first thing is the image of the wedding. You see, the wedding in the gospel, or even in the Old Testament, is a figure of the messianic era. Meaning to say the coming of the Messiah. And it's also the end times, the fulfillment. When the Lord will set a messianic banquet for all people. This is in Isaiah, no? Isaiah 54 and then 62. And uh, maybe the other associated reading to this would be the end of Revelations. When you have uh, the wedding of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. uh, the Lamb and the Bride. So when you see the, the theme of wedding in the Bible, you know that it's really an image of the union of God and his people. So it's not just any wedding. In the gospel, in the in the Bible, biblical image is very important. Now who were there? <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed. The very first one who was mentioned was was not Jesus, it was his mother. The mother of Jesus was there. And then I don't know if you noticed. The mother of Jesus is not named. In, in the Gospel of John, it's always the mother of Jesus. 
or woman is the title. So you will say it's very cryptic. Why is that? Because you know, John is, is like that, and therefore it's also uh, he lets us jump from reality to what is more. Like when he says the mother of Jesus or woman, woman would also bring you back to Genesis. Mm-hmm. Woman, the mother of all the living, Eve, mm-hmm. the mother of all the living. So uh, the other place where you have the mention of the mother of Jesus will be in John 19. You know where is that? Yes, under the cross. When the crucified Jesus left John, his mother, again he would say, Woman, behold your son. Then, behold your mother. Okay, so that's the thing. But uh, you, even when I read this the first time, so why is it that the mother of Jesus was mentioned first and Jesus was only second? <laughs> no, you notice that now. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding, but it was Mary who was mentioned first. Maybe because he might have known the... So there's familiarity. He might have known the family, but also, and that's why she was concerned. Did you you know that she was also the one who... Yeah. Is it the wine, Rashi, or normal wine? They have no wine. And the response of Jesus seems to be a little rude. Woman. No, yeah. is it none of my it's none of my business? <laughs> but actually, what they said this is a this is like a Semitic, Semitic uh, expression, no? And the reason is also given because he says, My hour has not yet. In the Gospel of John, this theme of the hour is very important. You will notice that you read. From chapter 1 to chapter 12, the things that could have happened will not happen because it's his hour has started. But starting chapter 13, you will see when the hour has come, what is that hour? For him to return to the Father, then, etc. So the things happen very fast. But actually, that hour is referring to the Paschal mystery. The passion, death, and resurrection. The fulfillment of the whole mystery. At, at any rate, the mother, or Mary, Mary did not mind the answer. Okay? Even if Jesus says, uh, what is that to me? <laughs> My hour has not yet come. And yet, Mary trusted that Jesus will do something. So, her words, do whatever he tells you. Before our Bible study, we were saying Mary is very important, but Mary does not point to herself. She did not say, do whatever I tell you. Right. Jesus, do whatever I tell you. It's to the others, no, to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Okay. And what happened next? Now, they said, uh, some scholars were saying, what is the significance or what is the real miracle here? So is it just the turning of the water into wine or there is something more? And maybe we can glimpse it from here. There were six stone water jars which hold, which would uh, take 20 to 30 gallons. So six by 30, 180 gallons. Can you imagine that? 
it's the exaggerated amount of wine. No? And then even when he when Jesus uh, commanded, no, fill the jars with water. So they fill them to the brim. It's the amount, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of uh, wine which can be translated into grace, the amount of grace, the overflowing grace. So in this account of the wedding, that is the thing. Meaning to say, because sometimes you say, but but what kind of miracle is this? He did not let the mute speak or clear the leper, but he just had a party. What kind of miracle is this? Jesus going to a party and turning the water into wine. No, it's actually like the very first sign that Jesus is being revealed. Okay, it's like the, the launching, the inaugural presentation of the sign. This is the importance of this sign, and actually, you see this uh, at the very end. Yeah? Jesus did this as the beginning of his science of Canaan and and so revealed his world. So this is the beginning of this. Actually, there are seven signs in John. The very last one will be the raising of Lazarus, turning death into light. But this is the beginning. This is the beginning. So the fullness of glory of God coming through this Miracle to this side, and the disciples began to believe in him. I guess uh, we can also say Mary believed in Jesus even before the sign. Okay, she already said, Do whatever he tells you. The disciples believe in Jesus only after the sign, and I guess that's why Mary is very important to us, she leads us. To believe. She's the one who opens the way. Right. And we have that. We have in our tradition. Mary through, uh, through yeah. Jesus through Mary. Yes. To Jesus through Mary. <laughs> yes. We, because sometimes you cannot go straight. You are parents. You know that sometimes you cannot go straight to the father. <laughs> right? We have... We have we get intimidated or we have some you know, fear, so we go to the mother first. Well, there's a prayer saying, "Oh Jesus, the divine heart of Mary." Yes, yes. There's the prayer, not yeah. divine heart of Jesus. It's true, but to Jesus, to Mary. So I guess this is part of what we are celebrating as the feast day. No? We are not glorifying Mary, but we are recognizing her as our way to Jesus. Okay, and then that will lead us also to the second reading now. Sister, why do you get the idea that it is grace and not wine? <laughs> that is the interpretation that we have. So, uh, if you connect this story with chapter one, chapter one of John, where he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we received. Grace upon grace, overflowing grace. So it's a symbol. It's the symbol. And that's why it's called sign. Okay, It leads us not just to the material thing, but to what it signifies. 
Yeah, this is what I like with John. He doesn't he doesn't just stay on on the physical or the material. It's not just the wine, but it's the meaning of the wine. The meaning of the wine is overflowing grace that we receive because of Jesus. I think just like said something like it's not possible there's so much wine. Yeah. That's why I'm it's not possible. And so with Jesus, you have so much grace. And this one leads you, if you want to, because the, the first chapter of John is like, we call it prologue. It's an introduction. So with the coming of Jesus, we have received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. That's the wine that we have here. It's the super abundant amount of wine. So, that we have no wine. So, is it that the brothers think that Jesus will do something? Yes. Yeah. And that was the answer of Jesus, but also, it's just like secretly they much dancer. Yes. Actually, uh, at first glance, the answer of Jesus could be understood as negative. Yeah. Uh, it's no business of mine. <laughs> it's not my business, no, if they have no wine. But actually, uh, there is the faith of Mary. Right. That she she believes that Jesus will do something, right. even if it's not yet his time. Or is it not that like uh, the mother is Instrument so that the yeah. first miracle, yes, that's what we're saying. He was the one who paved the way. So now let's listen to the first, second, second reading. Verse. I'm reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians, brothers and sisters. When the fullness of time have come, God sent his son. On of a woman, on under the law, to ransom those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. As proof that you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So we are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then also an heir through God, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this passage speaks of Christ coming into the world. It is a reminder that God sent his son into the world to redeem us from our sins and make us his children. The passage also speaks of the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us as a sign of our adoption as a children of God. I wanted to point out the strength of the Holy Spirit. If you actually see the readings itself, um, in it says, Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, with an exclamation mark. Uh, I remember Deacon mentioning, if the Holy Spirit is actually working in you, there's no way to stop it. It is a very powerful force uh, that is uh, bringing uh, salvation to us. The other thing is um, in, in relevance of uh, the feast day itself, you will also see in the second sentence, God, or second part of the sentence, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. 
God could have brought Jesus in in so many different ways. You 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 know you saw the um, transformation. You saw how the Ten Commandments were brought to us. But God chose a woman to bring in His Son to save us. So you can see the importance of Mary and how much God also respected Mary and His love for Mary as well. So it also recognizes the importance of women in the church. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. There is also, if I could add some more, no? born of a woman, born under the law, would be, uh, you know, it's the mystery of the incarnation. As you already commented, God could have chosen other means, but he wanted the normal means, incarnation. Meaning to say, to be born like us. Right. No? This, this line here, born of a woman, referring, of course, to Mary. But then uh, it really brings the presence of Jesus in the same line as our humanity. Mm-hmm. And then born under a tradition, the tradition of the law, which is Israelite. Okay? And so even if some, some uh, commentators would even say, in the in the Cana experience, there is a continuation of tradition, the purification there, the, this Jewish ceremonial washings. You notice that there were six stone jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings. There is a continuation of tradition. So the second reading is saying the same thing, no? that Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law, born in the same tradition, meaning to say God does not overstep the human way. He brings the marriage of humanity, divinity and humanity through Jesus. So the marriage union is happens between God and his people through the incarnation. I don't know if you notice during the offertory, now you, we don't notice so much here in our parish because when Father well, if it's father law, usually the wine is already with a little water mm-hmm. when it's presented for offertory. But normally, the wine is just wine, and then the priest pours a little water. And the prayer there is so that our humanity oh. may, brought, may be brought forth in the divinity. So it's the mixing of water and wine. Okay. So that is, that is very symbolic. In the life of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, we have the mystery of incarnation, the marriage of God and humanity together. And then uh, you bring it forward, and then you have Jesus is the bridegroom, and the church is the bride. So the importance, no? the importance of what we're celebrating here, and the presence of Mary in the Holy Spirit. Okay? So perhaps now we can open it up to questions, meditations, you know, questions. Yeah, it's not a question. Do you mind to repeat uh, the part about the wine and the water? <laughs> <laughs> like like what we have here in this uh, miracle or sign. Uh, the water turned into wine. Okay. So we said. In the earlier uh, explanation, that's grace. 
but now we bring it forward and or deeper if you want. When we have in the offertory at Mass, when the priest pours a little water into the wine, which we believe will become the blood of Christ, there is there the symbolism of the incarnation. Because the divinity is now mixed with our humanity. Okay? So... <laughs> That that is a very beautiful symbolism, but it gets lost sometimes we, because we don't know. But when you are more aware of what's going, what's happening during the mass, you cannot really take for granted the the very mystery that is in there. When we say the blood of Christ, the body of Christ, we believe that is really God entering into our lives. And that's why after communion, we say, we are all tabernacles there, right? And then even just for a while, we carry Jesus outside, okay? So it becomes also a big challenge when after communion, you start fighting. (laughs) 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 And you cannot control yourself. I said, so what happened to Jesus in me? You know, is it true? <laughs> yes. Very true. So at least for a while, take time, you know, and realize that you are at that moment, you are carrying divinity in you. So even for a while. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's there for me. Yes. I'm just here for a Study and like, I stream it for there is only 30% Catholic belief that that's the body and the I tend, when I even hear the news like yesterday, I was so sad learning of the news of another priest in France who was accused of uh, sexual abuse mm-hmm. by a teenager who committed suicide. That's the sixth years. So I would tend to believe that it's true. That is why I mean, this is a priest no? celebrating the Eucharist. So how much more for an ordinary So that is why we are trying our hard, trying very hard when we teach catechism to explain. But of course the faith comes from the person. The faith is a gift that is given to the person. And it is God who gives the gift. We cannot force people. We cannot force. So we have to pray hard. I brought this issue of priests also having doubts. And that is sad. That is sad. Anyway, uh, when... Talking about communion, we would like our spirituality says uh, we would like to become what we receive. Okay, we receive Jesus, so we would like to become like Him. It's not the other way around. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that happens usually in life is we turn it the other way around. Like we want Jesus to become like us, we force. We force him to 
follow our will. And yet we pray your will be done. Okay. You know, so the conversion has to continue. Okay. It's, it's always a challenge. The, the opening prayer reminded us of that, no? that we may reach the mountain. We may reach the mountain which is Christ. How, how should I believe that it is the body of Christ and the blood? It's not like a piece of steak or really yes. wine. It's the closest union I can get. Yes. This is how I feel about mm. all of it. It's not that I'm fighting in the meat. Yes. So I, I don't know whether those people who seventy percent not believing that they don't really have to believe that blood over and yeah. I guess it's a very beautiful and say the imagination, God's imagination for us is so much that he decided that it will be bread and wine and not like the Old Testament that you have to kill the right. kill the, well, the ass and the lamb and ghost. That is in the letter to the Hebrews. Okay, so I am just grateful that he decided it's yeah. bread and wine. Otherwise, we will always have a bloody mass. Yes. Okay. Another clean after the mass. So I am just so happy that God decided, and and He made. I mean, the church, the Bible, has already uh, fed us with so much here. The Gospel of John, chapter six, for instance. You know that it's a struggle to believe. You read the Gospel of John. After all the declaration of Jesus, I am the bread of life, come down from heaven. The one who receives me you know, will live of me, each other. At the end of the chapter, many still left the flock. At the end of that Gospel, he asked Peter and the other apostles, will you also go away? Because it is not easy to uh, one of the places where we went during our break from the meeting in Italy, no, where I came from, is the was it the Franciscan Basilica in Siena, uh -huh. and there was also there's there also the Eucharistic miracle. The the miracle that happened was the basilica or the the church was robbed, and the Thieves wanted to get only the ciborium, which is gold or silver, and they threw the hosts oh. in the baptistry. Okay, so when the priest was able to recover the hosts and kept them, cleaned them, and kept them, uh, in the number of years that passed, these hosts remain remained as they were. They did not decay. So that's why up to now, this is being presented also as the Eucharistic miracle. Okay. This is, uh, I, I believe these are signs given to us. Not so much for those who believe, but for those who do not believe. Because as they said, no, if you do not believe, no matter how much sign will be given to you, you won't. But if you believe, you don't need signs. So doing that, when the person say, take this out of you, this is my body, and so Jesus is already in 
Yes. 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 But the but what happens inside the faith no, is the one that is important. And that is the thing that we pray for. That the faith will not fail. Any other thoughts or those who are joining us online? Any questions or sharing? Release. Yes. Okay. There was a vision that he received we will not pass Consecration is the the meaning of that is really your your life is consecrated to Mary. Yeah. The scapular is a sacramental. The sacramental is a sacred object. It's not like the host or the Eucharist, which is really the sacrament. No? This is a piece of sacred object that will remind you of your consecration to Mary. So whether it's fabric, now some put also the plastic. You know, I guess. The meaning is the more important. Right. Uh, the meaning that's important and the, uh, and how it helps you in your life, the spirituality. So do you have a consecration here? Uh, sometimes, for especially for the first timers, we ask for blessings. Yes. But otherwise, you don't need to keep on asking for consecration. Once is enough. see if I lost. One. If I have a new one, I don't need to. You don't need because you have been consecrated. Mm -hmm. uh, put more emphasis away from the meaning yeah. rather than on the meaning. I heard also, sister, is it, uh, if, if you like to wear it the first time, is it uh, the priest will be the one who. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the act of consecration. In, in some places, are really very devout, so they do not. You you see that in many places, not those who are wearing the scapular. And normally it's the scapular plus the sacred together. So we have complete. Okay? So let us pray together no? our uh, responsorial psalm, which will echo the Magnificat, Mary's prayer, uh -huh. thanksgiving, and her way of exalting and rejoicing in God. My soul rejoices in my God. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his body service. Commit that all your praises will call me my 
Thank you for tuning in to OLMC Sunday Best. Please join us again next week for another episode. Have a blessed Sunday, everyone.